Thanks for listening to another leadership podcast from Pastor Jurgen and the team here at C3 San Diego. To find out more about our church, go to c3sandiego.com. my favorite book, the book of Genesis. I love the book of Genesis. I, everything, everything you need. If there was only one book that you could be marooned on a deserted island with, take Genesis. Everything in Genesis then flows throughout the rest of the scriptures. Every, the seed of everything is in Genesis. That's why it's called Genesis, genes is. Because it's, it's the genetic code for everything else that you'll, you'll read in scripture. And... Uh, Today, if I was to give it a title, beautiful Pastor Leanne, who looks stunning, even more beautiful. Six days ago, 27 years married to this beautiful young lady. 27 years. Married her when she was 17 before she knew what other options she had. Just just putting it out there. Putting it out there. I, I did win. You know, I won. Poor old Leanne. But, uh, but she's got a big crown. Don't feel bad for her. She's got a crown when she gets to heaven. I'll be off in, they've got one of those outhouses for me. But uh, she's going to be right up there. There's going to be Jesus, the apostles, Mother Teresa, Leanne up there. And, and apparently, apparently I've got uh, visiting rights. So uh, every now and again, once, once a millennium, I get to, uh, to go and spend an hour with Leanne. <laughs> Oh, dear Jesus. All right, come with me in your Bibles. Genesis 1, 26. Genesis 1, 26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So right here, I, I would kind of title that verse as intention. So, so God has an intention. He has a desire. Nothing changes. No progress is made until there's an internal rehearsing of an intention and a desire. It wasn't that God was unhappy. It wasn't that God was displeased or lonely. But he had a desire. He had a desire. Let us make man in our image. Let us start a family. All, all progress is dependent upon uh, a current dissatisfaction, maybe too wrong a word, but, but an unsettled. That, that, that you've got to have a desire to see something shift, to see something added, to see something flourish, to see something change. So here in Genesis 1.26, God said, let us make man in our image and according to our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. Because right now, he has dominion over the fish of the sea. So God's intention was not just for a figurehead. God's intention was not just for a puppet. God's intention wasn't just for a prime minister or, you know, a monarchy that really doesn't have any power. God's intention was to share authority. I just need just to, just, to, just to let that settle on you for a second. God's intention was to share authority. Right now, He is the one that exercises dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. But His desire, His intention is for you. So verse 27, this is what separates God from men, that what God sets out to do, He actually does. 
what God promises, He fulfills. My, my biggest battle in my life is to, to let my life catch up with my words. Uh, because of the rejection that I grew up in, um, I, I found it very easy to promise. And, and I found that people were excited when I would promise. But then the pain came when I couldn't quite deliver on the promise. And I thought, oh, people will see my intention and people will see my heart. But it actually worked the other way. It, it, you actually lost credibility because people saw that I promised this, but I only delivered that. And so over the years, my beautiful Leanne has helped me. And uh, that's part of being a, a bride, I think, is the, the shaping of your helpmate to challenge me. You got you to under-promise, over-deliver, under-promise, over-deliver. And I'm not there yet, but I love, like Pastor Becky says, you know, I was a hot mess when I walked in, but I'm almost normal now. And uh, so <laughs> I just love your preaching, Becky. And, uh, and so, you know, so we're on that. So anyway, so, so God now, verse 27, creates man in his image and in his likeness. Uh, he created the male and female. Male and female, he created them. Verse 28, this is the one that I want to land on. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And then he goes on in verse 29, See, I have given every herb every uh, that yields seed, which is on the face of the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed, to you it shall be for food. Let me just talk today about on the topic of fruitfulness, on the topic of fruitfulness. So God says to Adam, I want you to be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. In other words, God made one man. But isn't it interesting that God could have filled the earth with men? Because he, he filled the sky with birds. He filled the ocean with fish. He filled the land with cattle. He filled the land with animals. He didn't just make one lion. He didn't make one fish. He didn't make one whale. He didn't make one bird. He made multiplicity. He multiplied the fish. He multiplied the birds. He multiplied. But when it comes to man, he only makes one. He makes one man. And then he says, I want you to be fruitful and multiply. I think that sometimes we, we come and I think that, that what you've got to be very, very careful of is there are all kinds of seminars that will try and pull you in to talk about, you know, fruitfulness and multiplication seminar. You know, and, 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 and they'll bring you in. But I think what we miss is we miss the first part of that verse. Genesis 1.28 says, and God bless them. May I put to you that it is almost impossible or it'll wear you out or almost kill you to be fruitful without the blessing of God. Without the blessing of God. Now you may say, aha, uh -huh, shoot, that's what I need. I need the blessing of God. Man, if only I knew how to get the blessing of God on my life. Well, that's the, that's the good part. The Bible says the blessing of the Lord is on the head of the righteous. And you may say, yeah, yeah there's a few things I've got to get together. No, no, you didn't understand Jesus made you righteous. The Bible says that God took him who knew no sin to become sin so that you and I might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Not the righteousness of a good person, not the righteousness of a Moses, not the righteousness of an Elijah, not the righteousness of a Mother Teresa, but even greater than all of those people, you have become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because of what Jesus did on the cross. He made an exchange. Not only that, the Bible says in Galatians 3.13 that Jesus became a curse 
to redeem those from under the curse. As, as it is written, cursed be any man that hangeth on a tree. Jesus, when he was nailed to the cross, became a curse. Why? So that the blessing of Abraham might come upon you. What was the blessing of Abraham? To be fruitful and multiply, to fill the earth. More descendants than the stars in the sky, sand on the seashore. So you need to understand that, that, that you have been blessed, that you have been blessed. But the devil will rob you if you don't know you're blessed. Because everything in the kingdom is released through faith. And faith is the art or the act of believing God's word over circumstances, over situations. In fact, I will even say that adversity forces you to internalize, to begin to understand why is my external world not, not lining up with the scripture. And there's a, there's a, there's a dichotomy here. There's a, there's a dysfunction here. There's something broken down here. Because what it does is God allows the enemy to come. God allows the mountain to stand before you. God allows the circumstances and the, the, the things to be stacked and arrayed against you to get you to dig down into the Word of God so that you can find authority because God said, let them have dominion. We want God to do it all. Most churches don't even realize they disempower their people with a bad teaching on the sovereignty of God. You and I are just puppets. You and I are figureheads. You are just powerless bystander. We are pawns on a chessboard because we have no power God, you know, do this or God do that. Like he's the omnipotent one. And he's, and I'm not trying to say that God is not all powerful. Absolutely. God is all powerful, but I need you to understand it is false teaching. It is bad teaching. It is evil teaching to say that when God said, let them have dominion, that he didn't really mean it, that somehow God is a holding back God. He said, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the beasts of the field and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Girls, you don't have to put up with the creeps. How good is that? You've got authority over the creeping. Just rebuke the creeping things and invite in the beautiful things. Somebody say amen. amen. And so God says to, to Adam to have dominion, to have dominion, that, 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 that to be fruitful and multiply. Dominion, subduing all goes hand in hand. There's only one Adam. So Adam right now is by himself. So God says, Adam, I'm going to bless you. And I want you to be fruitful and multiply. You'll always find that what God asks of you, you feel unqualified for. Be fruitful, multiply. And Adam's like, sir, yes, sir. Yes. How? He's by himself. God will always, you'll always know that it's God because God will always ask you to do something that is beyond your capacity, beyond your ability, where you feel unqualified. If you're doing what you're qualified for, knock yourself. God bless you. You're doing wonderful. But I'm telling you, there's a greater life for you. There's a greater life for you. My job as a pastor is to put faith in you. Faith is the bridge. The bridge is the gap between this is what you're qualified for, and this is what you're doing in life. David, after being examined by King Saul, the assessment was. They brought David before King Saul. They were looking for a volunteer, just one who would go and fight with Goliath. But after he was paraded before the king, King Saul said, Oh, what a disappointment. They told me there was a warrior who was willing to fight this Goliath. He's been piping off 40 days, 40 nights. But you are not able. You are not able to go against this man. For you are a youth and he's been a man of war from his youth. You are not able to go against him. You are unqualified. You are 
unqualified. God will never ever call you to a battle that you're already qualified for. Because God is always trying to increase. God is always trying to take you into another level so that when you start operating on that level, when you start achieving that level of reproduction and fruitfulness and multiplication, you know it was because of the hand of God. The testimony of your life should be, I'm living so far above my pay grade. I'm living so far above my background. I'm living so far above my experience. I'm living so far above my ability. I'm in a God zone. It is God that has called me out among, upon the waters. Come on, feet may fail. That's where God is calling you out. God is calling you into that place. So let me just say, um, th there's again a mindset in the church that, that uh, and this is a great danger when we, when we begin working in the church that you are paid to do. Well, I'm, you know, I'm paid to do this job. You know, this is what I do. I, Monday to Friday, this is what I do. This is what my calendar looks like I'm paid to do. You, please understand you are not paid to do. You're paid to be fruitful. You're paid to be fruitful and reproduce. So the, in the world, all that's required of you is for you to do your job, but not in the kingdom. In the kingdom, your job is to reproduce. The problem with reproduction, and I shared this at the pastor's day, is that reproduction looks like it's working against you. And I talked about how, uh, you know, I, I got a phone call from a particular pastor saying, hey, listen, uh, we really need a, a worship pastor. Do you know where's, where would be the best place to hire? Have you got a worship pastor that needs hiring? And, uh, and I said, oh, you know, wherever you were looking, he's like, you know, churchhire.com and a few other places. I said, whatever you do, don't go there. You're better off hiring someone from your church. He goes, yeah, but I don't have anybody ready. I said, yeah, exactly. I said, you don't have anybody ready because you don't have a development process. Start developing the people that are already there. I'm telling you, everything you need is already in you. Everything Adam needed to multiply was already in there. He just had to trust God for God to bring it out. Let me just say, everything you need is already there. It's already there. So you don't have to be somebody else. You don't have to look at somebody. Everything you need is, is in there. You just need to let God bring it out. And, uh, and I said, but here's the thing. I said, if you, if you hire this worship pastor, this awesome worship pastor, you pay them a salary so they come and they're the worship pastor. Do you think they're going to let anyone else be, become a great worship pastor? No way, because their job security is dependent upon it. Another worship leader starts rising up. They're going to squash them and squash that out because, you know, they, they want to be the one where the testimony is, man, how, how incredible was the worship in the 10 a.m.? Man, you got the best worship pastor in town. Wednesday night service, how was that worship? That worship was, your worship pastor, best worship pastor in town. They want their testimony. Man, when they were away on vacation, man, the worship limped, didn't it? Man, that's called job security. When they're back, it's, but not in the kingdom. In the kingdom, that's a fail. In the kingdom, the greatest thing you can do is, man, we didn't even we didn't even notice you. In fact, while you were away on vacation, this person rose up, this person rose up, this person rose up. My, 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 the worship in this house, that in the kingdom, but not in the world. The world will tell you that's the dumbest thing you can do. You are putting, but I told the story, one of my favorite stories that the Holy Ghost brought back to me was Jack and the Beanstalk. Jack and the Beanstalk, where, where you know, the, he gets the, the magic seeds and says, Mom, I sold Betsy the cow for these magic beans. And she's like, you idiot. And she throws the beans out the window. That's it. Now we're going to starve to death. The next day he wakes up. There's these 
Storks that go all the way up into the clouds and he climbs the storks to see where they go and there's a giant up there. Fee, fi, fo, fum. I smell the blood of an Englishman. Be he alive or be he dead, I'll grind his bones to make my bread. And so he sees it. And so of all the artifacts, there's all this food and cheeses and all these things that he could steal. The thing that he steals was a a gold a goose that laid golden eggs. He lay he he wasn't he wasn't intending to eat. How many people know he would have been an idiot to cook the goose? Like Buying the, gold, the, the, the beans might have been dumb, but what would have been dumber is if he cooked the goose. Why would you not cook that goose? Because it keeps laying golden eggs, keeps, keeps reproducing things of value, keeps reproducing things of infinite value. And I was saying how what I love about Pastor Summer is Summer came over because I needed an administrator. So she was administration, and then she was PA, and then she was children, and then she was events, accounting, like she's done everything. There's almost no job. And, and what I love about Pastor Summer is her, her capability in those roles says that, hey, she's always got a job because she's capable. But, but we don't keep her on staff because she's just capable. We keep her on staff because she's a reproducer. Everywhere she's gone, she's left a trail, a trail of awesome people, awesome people. Megan Hale, where are you, beautiful Meegsy? Is Meegsy here? There she is. Stand up, beautiful Meegsy. You know, Meegsy, I've got to tell you, Pastor Phil could not believe when I told him your age. He could not believe that somebody that brilliant could be packaged into somebody that's had such a short time around the sun. And look at you, you're just amazing. And I got to have coffee with your handsome Gabriel a couple of weeks ago. And just the hand of God and the favor of God and the blessing of God. And thank you for being so awesome. But thank you for being so teachable to, uh, to this beautiful Pastor Summer. So can I just say that, that, um, that God wants you to be fruitful and multiply. So let me just kind of break this down in the few minutes that we have left. Sometimes we think that being fruitful is multipli- multiplication. Because he says, be fruitful and multiply. But there's an and in there because you can be fruitful but not multiplying. So you can go to, to a vineyard or an orchard and you can see that the apple tree has got thousands of apples. Or the orange tree has got thousands of oranges. Or the, the vine's got big clusters of juicy red grapes or juicy green grapes on there. Now, that is what the Bible calls fruitful. But how does multiplication happen? Multiplication, I want you to catch this. Multiplication only happens when that which is hanging on the vine, when that which has been produced on the vine falls into the ground and dies and is planted in the soil. So in the past, one of the things that's frustrated me, and I couldn't, couldn't put my finger on it, was we would have gatherings of youth. We would have gatherings of college students. We would have gatherings of young adults. <coughs> and it was, <coughs> it was reported that this is fruitfulness and multiplication. Now, it may have been a level of fruit, of fruit hanging on the vine and clusters of grapes hanging together. And it may have looked juicy, but it didn't, didn't bring multiplication. Why did it not bring multiplication? Because we thought the gathering was job well done. The gathering's not job well done. The gathering's just the beginning. In fact, 
God does the gathering. We have to do the planting. Our job with every single person that walks through is to get them planted. Get them, whatever area you're in, you, it's not just the, the fruit on the vine. It's getting that fruit, getting the seed and getting it planted in the house of God. Why? Because those who are planted in the house of God will flourish. They will not wither. They will, not, they will bear fruit in their old age. Everything they do shall prosper. They are like seeds planted by streams of living water. Brings forth their fruit in season. And the goal with that fruit is as it falls to the ground to prepare the soil and get that fruit planted. The, the devil doesn't want you to get planted because he doesn't want you to flourish. But have a look at the testimony of people that have put their feet down, that have put their, that, you know what, I'm going to plant myself in this house. Have a look at their lives flourish. Have a look at their marriages flourish. Have a look at everything in their lives has begun to flourish. Why? Because they got planted in the house of God. It's only in the planting of the seed does multiplication happen. It's not in the gathering of the fruit. It's not in the clusters on the vines. It's not in the number of apples on the tree. It's actually... Only the number of those apples on the tree, they get planted so that they can reproduce. God wants us to be reproductive. God wants us to be fruitful. Can somebody say amen? <clears throat> so God, God, God says here uh, that, that you're going to be blessed and I want you to be fruitful and I want you to multiply. I've noticed something in my life that, that when, I, when I walk in the blessing of God, I need you to understand. It, it looks easy. And there is, a, there is a level of ease. There's a level where I, I, sometimes I, I give myself more credit. I think I can't go to sleep. There's too many things to worry about. And God's like, who's building the church? I'm like, oh, you are. And uh, he's building his church. 100% of my money doesn't meet all my needs, doesn't pay all my bills. I learned many, many years ago, the greatest thing I can do is take the first tenth and bring it as the tithe into the Lord's house, into the storehouse. Because what happens is, the Bible says that if, if the, the root is holy, the tree is holy. If the lump is holy, the whole lot of dough will be holy. The first fruit. So whatever you do with the first determines the outcome of the rest. So the Bible calls money unrighteous mammon. It, it's, it, it's almost like it's cursed. So what, but what happens when I bring the first tenth, I redeem the other 90%. Because I bring the first tenth, God blesses the 90. What I found in my life, in Leanne's life, is that the blessing of God on 90 goes exponentially further than 100% of my income working against the curse. God said when Adam sinned, he said, Cursed be the ground for your sake. Out of the sweat of your brow, out of the toil of your labor, the earth will yield to you its increase. So rather than having 100% of my money working against a curse, I have 90% of my money with the blessing of God. When Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish, not enough to meet the bills, not enough to meet the needs. But looking up to heaven, he gave thanks, blessed and broke it and began to distribute. Whatever God blesses increases. Whatever God blesses multiplies. Whatever you want the blessing of God on your life. Je Jesse, a.k.a. Jeff Sullivan and Kat, came into our church as just a couple. But the blessing of God has, has come upon them. And they are now parents of two magnificent little Coco and cute little Evan. 
beautiful little kids, blessing of God increase, blessing of God multiplication. You'll find that as, as you walk in, the blessing of God is going to cause you to flourish, is going to cause you to increase. Think of Obed-Edom. Obed-Edom took the ark when nobody else wanted it. The thing had just killed somebody, but he took it into his home. And the Bible says that everything in the house of Obed-Edom was blessed because of the ark, because of the presence of God. Everything in his home began to flourish. The eczema began to disappear from his kid's skin, and they began to do well in school. They began to make A's instead of F's. And man, what is going on? They started to understand algebra. I mean, who can understand how they started to understand? Dad, I get it now. I understand algebra. Letters and numbers together. Duh. Like, you know, and like... He's like, man, what is going on? The blessing of God makes one rich and adds no sorrow to it. The blessing of God on your life. But you got to believe that you're blessed. You got to walk in that blessing. God wants you to be blessed. Understand you can unlock the blessing. The greatest thing that Leanne and I have found in our lives is, is to bring out tithes, to bring offerings, because, because it just it multiplies, it increases. You will find that if you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, all these things will be added unto you. You were created to walk in the blessing of God. In fact, the call of God is too great for you without the blessing. That's why the blessing came first. He says, be blessed, bless them, and say, be fruitful and multiply. Fruitfulness and multiplication are impossible without blessing. You've got to understand that you are blessed. You are blessed going in. You are blessed going out. You're blessed in the city. You're blessed in the country. You are blessed wherever you go. Have a, have a blessed expectancy. Have a blessed revelation. You are blessed. The blessing of God rests upon you. Now, I say that because there's a lot of people that, that, that believe that, you know, we're meant to suffer for Jesus. Pastor Leanne and I kind of been, well, more Pastor Leanne over the last few weeks has been hearing preaching and teaching from outside about, you know, how God wants us to suffer and He gets glory when we suffer. But it's amazing because when you read about that, it was Jesus suffered and they're like, likewise, we're also called to suffer along with Christ. But He suffered at the hands of religious spastics, religious morons, religious hypocrites. They, they were the ones that, that wanted Him crucified. They were the ones that, and so I'm like, yes, this makes me feel good because whenever I post something, it's the religious nutters that, that come, come after me. That's the only suffering. Nowhere does it say, and you know, Jesus went into the home and the young child lay there on death's door and Jesus turned to the family and said, this is the will of God for you to suffer because there's a lesson here that you're going to learn as your little 12-year-old passes away. God wants it. He didn't. He raised the little girl up. Everywhere he went, he... How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And went about doing good and healing all. Not healing most, not healing some, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. But if you don't have a blessed mentality, if you have a, if you have, well, you know, you are blessed. Anything right now that is in your life that is contradicting blessing, kick it out. Let me just say that again because only half of you caught it. Anything in your life that is contradicting blessing, you need to kick it out. Because why does God then say, let them have dominion? And let them have dominion. Why does he say that? Because he knows 
that there's forces that are going to oppose the blessing, that are going to oppose fruitfulness, that are going to oppose multiplication. So he knows that you've got to have some authority. Behold, I've given you all authority. I've given you authority over the fish of the sea, birds of the air. Jesus in, in Luke chapter 10 says, I've given you authority over every uh, scorpion and serpent to trample them underfoot over all the power of the enemy. Not most of the power of the enemy. Not you're going to have some skirmishes and you'll win some and he'll win some. But hey, give it your best shot. Hit me with your best shot. No, no, no. He wants you to have 100% victory. Don't let the devil rob from you. Don't let the devil steal from you. Don't let the devil limit you. Don't let him, don't live under his dictates. Don't live, you don't have to kick him out. Dismiss him. If you're not walking in the blessing of God, you're not taking authority. You ought to take authority. Now, you know, I, one of the things that I love about um, the, the staff meeting is listening to people pray. Listening to people pray. Because for me, the, the litmus test of how effective uh, our leadership is, is for me, it, it resonates or it echoes when I hear somebody pray. When I hear somebody pray a nice prayer, and there are, there's, there's nothing wrong with praying a nice prayer. Oh, Lord, we just come to you today and we ask that you... There's nothing wrong with that, but, but if I'm going to pray, I'm going to pray with authority. If I'm going to pray, then, then, Father, right now in the name of Jesus Christ, I stand against. Because I believe that I'm his vice regent in the earth. And I believe that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I believe that the enemy come against me one way, but he's going to flee seven ways. Because I'm about to unleash the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the potentate of the universe. The almighty God is about to back up his son when I call upon his name. He gave me the name. He, just, just like kings used to take a signet ring and that is authority. In the same way, God gave me his name. The name that is above every name. He says, you call upon this name and I'll come running. The devils tremble. The devils fear. The devils bow. The devils flee at the name of Jesus Christ. You and I have been given authority. If the devil is robbing from you, it ain't God and it ain't the devil. It's you not taking authority. You have been given authority. Brad said it this morning, whatever you bind on earth, bound in heaven, heaven's got your back, dog. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Heaven's got your back. But we need to exercise authority. We need to exercise authority. So, so I listen, I listen when people pray. Do, do you pray with fervency? Because James 5, 6, 16 says that the fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man availeth much. In other words, it shifts. And it's talking about James. And it talks about, uh, it's talking about Elijah, sorry, in the book of James. And he says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He was, he was susceptible to, to depression. He was susceptible to like, man, I feel icy. I feel alone. I feel burnt out. I, I, just, I just took on the prophets of Baal and then I slaughtered them all. And, and now Jezebel's after me, man. I thought I would have finished it. But now, and so he's, he had a nature like ours. But the Bible says he prayed. And then he prayed again. If you read the story, he prayed until his eyes saw what his spirit had heard. He prayed until his eyes, he said, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. Right now, it, there had been no dew nor rain on the earth for three and a half years. But Elijah, the prophet, heard something that was not yet. So he goes up onto Mount Carmel and he prays with a fervency. Till his eyes see 
what his spirit had heard. Nothing will shift in your life till prayer. Everything we have, we got from prayer. Everything. You ask, you ask my Leanne. I would, I, would, I would walk around Conifer Grove before we even got married, where we lived in Takanini, New Zealand. And I'd walk around, I would see these homes. And back then they were worth, you know, 300 and 400,000. And I thought, my God, how can, it's an impossibility. It's an impossibility for us to ever own a home. But, you know, I'm marrying my Leanne and one day, God, we want to have a family. And I know to raise a family, God, it seems impossible. Back then the church, there was no salary for, for the youth pastor. But I felt God say, Psalm 24 verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And then I had a, a great man of God come and said, Hey, Jürgen, God gave me a word for you. God said, He'll give you whatever you believe Him for. God will give you whatever you believe Him for. But the emphasis is on you got to believe Him for it. So I began to circle. We began to just, you know, lay hands on letterboxes and mailboxes and homes when, you know, thinking people were out only to realize they were still home and kind of run down the street. <clears throat> But we would, we would believe God. We would believe God. We would believe God that with God all things are possible. We'd be, Father, we thank you right now. Home is Everything we, we, we've gotten in our life hasn't come because we had the salary or we had the natural means or the material advantage. In fact, we were materially disadvantaged. We were salary disadvantaged. We, we, but we never let that dictate this. Because if I let that dictate this, then I say that man is my source, not God. I say that man is my provider. Now I'll preach Jehovah Jireh, but really, I believe that my employer is my provider. God took us through that to teach us how to pray. I've got so much on prayer, but I'm out of time. But, but I just want you to know, like, if, if, if something is not right in your life, take authority. You are given authority. Do you know, do you know what it cost to make Jesus the name that is above every name? The Jews wouldn't say the Tetragrammaton, Y-H-W-H. Some people say Yahweh or Jehovah, depending on how. But Y-H-W-H was like, thou shalt not misuse the name of the Lord. So the Jews were afraid to say it. But the Bible says about Jesus that God has given him the name that is above every name. How did that happen? Because Jesus came and served like nobody else served. He sacrificed like nobody else sacrificed. It was our sin. We were the ones deserving of death for our sin. He left heaven, fulfilled the law in its entirety. He was the perfection of the law, personified, walking the streets. And yet he willingly makes the trade. In the Garden of Gethsemane, three times he prays, if it's possible, if there's another way, God, without me going through the crucifixion, please. But God says, there's no other way, son. You're the lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. And he says, here I am, a body you have prepared for me. It is written in the volume of the book, O God, to do your will. Here I am. And Jesus then set his face like flint towards Jerusalem. And he allowed the, his creation to pierce his wrists with nails. He allowed his creation to spit on him and mock him and reject him and beat him. With one click of his fingers, they could have all been snuffed out. With one prayer, they could have all been wiped out. He bore all that pain, bore all that shame, carried the cross up the hill, took all the hate of humanity upon himself and died giving love even forgiving one of the thieves on the cross. Lord, remember me. I tell you the truth. Today, you're going to be with
with me in paradise. Jesus died on the cross, descended into hell, crushed the devil's head, and on the third day rose again. So God makes a declaration. He says, therefore, I've given him the name that is above every name, that at that name, not at the name of Buddha, not at the name of Muhammad, not at the name of Allah, but at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And you and I have been given that name. If something is displeasing, if something is dysfunctional, what are you waiting for? You have been given authority. Subdue every creeping thing. Subdue the birds of the air. The devil's messing with my stuff. You have authority over the birds of the air, the beasts of the field. You even have authority over the fish of the sea. If there's a drought in your campus, if there's a drought of people being saved, you have authority. Begin to call them in. We declare right now, devil, get your grip off our city. Get your grip of our youth ministry. Get your, get your grip of our college students. We declare altars packed with college students, altars packed with teenagers, altars packed with young people. You've got authority. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 Church San Diego, go to c3sandiego.com.